1: Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the CAE third quarter conference call. Please be advised that this call is being recorded. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Andrew Arnovitz. You may now proceed, Mr. Arnovitz.
2: Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you that today's remarks, including management's outlook for fiscal year 21, and answers to questions contain forward-looking statements These forward-looking statements represent our expectations as of today, February the 12th, 2021, and accordingly are subject to change. Such statements are based on assumptions. They may not materialize and are subject to risks and uncertainties. Actual results may differ materially, and listeners are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. The description of the risks, factors, and assumptions that may affect future results is contained in C's annual MD&A available on our corporate website and on our filings with the Canadian Securities Administrators on CDAR and at the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission on EDGAR. On the call with me this afternoon are Mark Perrin, CEO's President and Chief Executive Officer, and Sonia Branco, our Chief Financial Officer. After remarks from Mark and Sonia, we'll take questions from financial analysts and institutional investors. And following the conclusion of that Q&A period, We'll open the call to questions from members of the media. Let me now turn the call over to Mark. Thank you, Andrew, and good afternoon to everyone joining us on the call.
3: I'll first discuss some of the highlights of the quarter, and then Sonia will provide additional details about our financial performance. I'll come back at the end about our to talk about our outlook. <clears throat> we continue to manage well through a challenging period. CA's stronger performance in the third quarter compared to the first half of the fiscal year reflects our ability to adapt quickly to a new normal and and also the resiliency of our business, which is largely recurring. On a consolidated basis, earnings per share before specific items of $0.22 was nearly 70% higher than last quarter, and we had a near five-fold increase in free cash flow to $224 million, which is indicative of the cash-generative nature of our business. We also made important progress to significantly enhance CA's position for future growth. During the quarter, we bolstered our financial resources with the issuance of $495 million of common equity, and we strengthened and expanded our market position with a succession of three acquisition announcements. In civil, Revenue increased by 13% compared with the second quarter, driven by 50% average training center utilization and the delivery of 10 full-flight simulators. We also continued to book new orders with civil signing training solutions contracts valued at $329 million. These included three full-flight simulator sales and a five-year exclusive business aviation training agreement with Bundeswehr of Germany, for the global vision we also signed an exclusive training agreement with mass air a new cargo airline in mexico and we signed a five-year extension of our exclusive training agreement with iberia to do all of their training and finally we signed another five-year training agreement with tui airways a british charter airline and an exclusive two-year pilot training agreement with LOT polish airlines on a broad range of aircraft platforms In defense, revenue remained stable with last quarter, while the defense segment operating margin was 7.5%, as we continue to manage through COVID-related impacts and disruptions on the timing of execution and deliveries. Near-term challenges aside, defense booked orders for $261 million, including a contract with Lockheed Martin for a suite of C-130J training devices, for the binational French and German C-130J training facility, we also signed with Lockheed for the supply of the CA magnetic anomaly detection and extended role system for the U.S. Navy MH-60R Seahawk helicopter. <clears throat> also during the quarter, defense was accorded a con- awarded a contract for the next increment of a multi-year contract with the United States Air Force to provide comprehensive C-130H aircrew training services as well as an order to continue providing the U.S. Navy with primary and advanced jet instructor support for the Chief of Naval Air Trading at five naval air stations. <clears throat> Finally, as a result of superior contract performance, Defense received a sole source extension award for T-44C aircrew training services through mid-2027. Defense also announced its involvement in a highly strategic contract to further develop and extend a single synthetic environment technology demonstrator for the United Kingdom's Strategic Command. The Single Synthetic Environment, or SSC, aims to deliver a virtual world to be used for operational planning and decision support across all domains, cyber, space, maritime, land, and air. This, together with the recent award to support U.S. Special Operations Command last quarter, are indicative of the good progress that we've been making with our digitally immersive solutions. At the end of the quarter, Defense won the competitive recompete of the US Air Force KC-135 training system contract, a program worth approximately $275 million US over the next eight years. This is a prime example of CA's ability to renew and expand major long-term training systems contracts as the training partner of choice. And in healthcare, we continue to deliver CAE Air 1 ventilators and segment revenue more than tripled with margins reach, reaching 10.7%. I'm extremely proud of what we've been able to accomplish, first in rising to the challenge to develop life-saving ventilators in a time of great humanitarian need, and in our continued wartime efforts in the fight against COVID-19. <clears throat> We're continuing to provide new tools and training capabilities in support of our customers' training needs during this pandemic. These included solutions like CAVimitics 3.1, an ultrasound education platform with new remote learning and screen sharing capabilities, curriculum development tools for distance learning, and Microsoft HoloLens 2 mixed reality interface for remote education. We also expanded our adaptive clinical digital learning courses covering mechanical ventilation, to include basic, advanced, and COVID-19 patient management. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Sonia, who will provide you additional details about our financial performance. I'll return at the end of the call to comment on our outlook. Sonia?
0: Thank you, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. We continue to see good sequential performance improvements in the third quarter. Consolidated revenue of $832.4 million was up 18% compared to the second quarter and is 10% lower compared to the third quarter last year. Segment operating income before specific items was $97.2 million compared to $79.3 million in Q2 and $157.2 million last year. Quarterly net income before specific items was $60 million or $0.22 per share which on the same basis compares to $0.13 in Q2 and $0.37 in the third quarter last year. We had strong free cash flow in the quarter of $224 million, which is a solid improvement over the $44.9 million we generated in the second quarter and is the result of continued good cash flow from operations and reversals in non-cash working capital accounts. I'm especially pleased to see that even with the negative free cash flow performance we had in the first quarter when the brunt of the pandemic hit us, we're now at positive $176.2 million of free cash flow for the nine months year to date. We still face challenging conditions, but we're confident about our outlook to be free cash flow positive for the year. Growth and maintenance capital expenditures totaled $23.9 million this quarter, and for the first nine months of the fiscal year totaled $57.1 million. We had indicated in our outlook that we expect to total CapEx to be approximately $100 million for the year and this continues to be our Our growth capex is directly linked to our opportunities to invest incremental capital with attractive returns and free cash flows. Income tax recovery this quarter was $0.1 million, representing an effective tax rate of nil, which compares to 16% for the third quarter last year. The tax rate was low for two reasons. First, the positive impact of some tax audits, and second, because of the restructuring costs we incurred this quarter. Excluding the effect of these elements, the income tax rate would have been 16% this quarter, the same as Q3 of last year. Our net debt position at the end of the quarter was $1.8 billion for a net debt to total capital ratio of 38.9%, which is back within our target range of 35 to 45%. And net debt to EBITDA before specific items was 2.65 times at the end of the quarter. All told, between cash and available credit, we have approximately $2.4 billion of available liquidity. CA's liquidity was further enhanced with the completion in November of a public offering and a concurrent private placement of common shares for aggregate gross proceeds of $495.3 million. The net proceeds are intended to fund growth investments, including the three acquisitions we recently completed and other future potential acquisitions and growth opportunities. Pending such uses, we've we've been using the proceeds to repay indebtedness on our credit facilities and to hold them as cash and cash equivalents. On the restructuring front, we're continuing to make good progress. The program is enabling CE to best serve the market by optimizing our global asset base and footprint, adapting our global workforce, and adjusting our business to correspond with the expected level of demand and enduring structural efficiencies. We began executing our restructuring program last quarter, and as of the end of last December, we had incurred a total of $65.4 million of restructuring expenses. We expect to record a total of approximately $140 million of restructuring expense this fiscal year, which is higher than our previous estimate because we've identified additional measures to optimize our global asset base and footprint. Plus, we now have some additional restructuring related to optimization and integration of our recent acquisitions. In connection with these efforts, we expect additional restructuring expenses of about $30 million in fiscal 2022. Taken together, we expect our restructuring program to translate into significant annual recurring cost savings, commencing in fiscal 2022, and ramping up to a run rate of approximately 65 to $70 million. With that, I will ask Mark to discuss the way forward.
3: Thanks, Sonia. Clearly, is, CAE is clearly in a much stronger position than it was back when the pandemic hit, and we're bullish about CAE's long-term prospects to emerge from this period in a position of even greater strength. We are successfully implementing measures to fortify the company internally and finding additional opportunities for greater efficiencies. We've also made excellent strides to capitalize on external opportunities to enhance our market position and deploy growth capital. We're leaning in and focusing on the long-term, bolstering our standing as the global market leader in our field, through the application of advanced technologies and by expanding the aperture of our market reach. And we're continuing to invest in C's capabilities to revolutionize our customers' training in critical operations and increase market share with digitally immersive solutions. And while COVID-19 remains a persistent global reality, we're encouraged by the light at the end of the tunnel, and we recognize that market recovery is really a question of when and not if. Fundamentally, the secular growth drivers for our business are unchanged. The resumption of C's recovery remains highly dependent on the timing and rate at which travel restrictions and quarantines can eventually be safely limit, lifted and normal activities resume in our end markets. <clears throat> now, looking at each of our the business segments, in civil. We expect to see a relatively stable performance in the fourth quarter compared to our current current third quarter results. The global rollout of vaccines to combat COVID-19 is indeed encouraging. However, the renewed quarantine measures and border restrictions to contain the spread of the virus have contributed to expectations for a potentially more protracted recovery period for commercial air travel, particularly for cross-border and transcontinental operations. At the same time, we expect to continue expanding our market share and securing new customer partnerships with our innovative training and operational solutions. We're in advanced discussions with airlines about potential outsourcings and partnerships, and while we don't control the timeline of these agreements, we expect some of our pipeline to come to fruition in the period ahead. <clears throat> Business aviation training has been recovering faster than commercial, and we continue to see this trend moving forward. Demand for civil full-flight simulators is driven by new aircraft deliveries, and while the total market is currently much smaller, we expect to maintain our leading share of available full-flight simulator sales. We benefit from a large backlog of customer-funded full-flight simulator orders, and we expect to substantially deliver this backlog over the next couple of years, including approximately 35 this fiscal year. In defense, We're managing through a transition year, and as we work our way through the short-term challenges brought by the pandemic, and ramp up a reinvigorated growth strategy under our highly talented new leadership. The long-term outlook for defense continues to be for growth, supported by a large addressable market for our innovative solutions, and the realization of the benefits our bolster team will bring to bear. I'm encouraged by our new competitive wins, large pipeline and a recent success in the security sector with a contract award to provide the United States Customs and Border Protection with aircraft pilot training services. This win leverages the C Dothan Training Center and C's commercial and business aviation training centers to deliver simulator and live flight training services on a range of fixed wing and rotary wing platforms. We were also selected after a highly competitive process to demonstrate our capabilities to the U.S. Army Futures Command as part of its synthetic training environment program, which is designed to provide a collective multi-echelon training and mission rehearsal capability across the Army. And the takeaway here is that while managing through our current period, we're also focused on the long term and we're investing in our leading position as a training and mission support partner with leading edge capabilities in translating the physical world into the synthetic world. We're implementing a strategy to expand beyond training to become a leader in digital immersion and the application of a synthetic environment to support analysis, planning, and operational decision-making. With our expertise in the integration of live, virtual, and constructive training, along with capabilities to address mission and operation support, we believe we'll make significant inroads into the broader defense market in the period ahead. And in healthcare, we're capitalizing on the greater market appreciation of the benefits of healthcare simulation and training to improve safety and to help save lives. In addition to our core healthcare business activity, we're continuing to work towards the delivery of our ventilator contract with the government of Canada. And we're also continuing to find innovative ways to provide even more solutions to make the world a safer place. The contract we announced last week with Pure to build and help develop high-tech air sanitizers allows us the great benefit of maintaining manufacturing jobs in Montreal while continuing to play a lead role in a fight against the pandemic. And it's another great example of C's agility in leveraging our strength in new ways. In fact, we obtained this particular contract. By leveraging the expertise, we gained developing ventilators, as well as the ISO certification for medical device design, manufacturing, and distribution that we obtained just last month. CAE has been an innovation powerhouse for more than 70 years with world-class engineering, intellectual property, supply chain, and manufacturing capabilities, and I look forward to more great things to come. With that, I thank you for your attention, and we're now ready
4: to answer your questions. Thank you, Mark.
1: Thank you. Sorry. We'll now now begin the question and answer session. If you would like to register for a question, press the 1 followed by the 4 on your telephone. If your question has been answered and you'd like to withdraw your registration, press the 1 followed by the 3. Mesdames et messieurs, pour enregistrer une question, appuyez le 1 suivi du 4. Ainsi, pour annuler la demande, appuyez le 1 suivi du 3. La première session serait ouverte pour les analystes. The first session will be open to the analysts. Thank you. Un moment, s'il vous plaît. One moment, please. Our first question comes from the line of Kevin Chang from CIBC.
4: Please proceed. Uh, good afternoon everybody thanks for uh thanks for taking my question here Maybe if I could ask about you know what what you're seeing from your 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 customers as they prepare as the airlines prepare for an eventual eventual recovery in in air traffic are are you having accelerated discussions about about getting their their workforce ready for uh you know for that eventual recovery and and i know Uh, I guess early in the pandemic there was this thesis out there of a a pilot training bubble that could potentially emerge as as airlines rush to to retrain their pilots here that have been furloughed. Just wondering what what you're seeing uh, sitting in your position today.
3: Well, I can tell you, uh, Kevin, that we're having uh, a lot of discussion with airlines as they prepare themselves to, to, you know, for the the recovery that, you know, will surely come as people get more and more vaccinated. Ford bookings, you know, what we're hearing is Ford bookings at the airlines are very high, especially on leisure travel. And so, and, you know, we're working we're working with them hand, you know, basically hand-to-hand so that they have the proper uh, training, their proper crews trained to be able to handle that, you know, upswing. Now, you know, uh, of course, there's a lot of hypothesis of when everybody will be trained, so they're keeping their powder dry from that point of view. From our standpoint, look, we're it's reflecting the utilization that we have now. Uh, we're seeing we're ramping up on, for example, 737 MAX training, uh, deploying more assets in support of, of that air, airplane coming back online. Uh, look, the pilot training bubble, I think, not, not in, in material numbers, I would say right now, it's really going, to, that really is going to depend at the rate at which the recovery happens and the rate at which, for example, wide body aircraft have to be put back online Uh, Relative to the assumptions that are out there today, uh, which is, you know, what I think basically we're continuing to follow, which is, you know, the IATS predictions as to when air traffic recovers, so to 2019 levels, so late
4: 23, 24. I think that's the way I would characterize it. That's helpful uh maybe to my second question here you know uh, you know you've made a couple of acquisitions or three acquisitions as you noted maybe the one that, that, I, that I thought was the most interesting was was the acquisition of merlot which which expands uh expanded your capabilities into crew management and, and some of this optimization software you know as, as you kind of come through the pandemic can you speak to what you see in terms of maybe other ancillary services you think you can bolt on to your core business and and other digital solutions you think you can add to to kind of grow your overall, maybe to, total market size, uh, you know, relative to maybe the way you saw the market pre-pandemic.
3: Well, no, absolutely. We had identified this market before that. In fact, we were already serving it. Uh, it perhaps not in an overly material way, but an example I would I would uh, point to is, for example, SAS Ireland. I talked to that before, where we basically in that in the case of you know that particular airline. C uh, personnel, uh, you know, not we not only train the pilots, they, our employees were the pilots. They were the, were the, they they were the cabin crew, and basically became uh, airline, uh, you know, employees when they basically operated the aircraft itself. So it's a, kind of a complete career resource offering. That was just one example of what we do, and of course we do a lot of that through our C E park. Uh, but so what we're what we're seeing is now do is move more even more aggressively into what I consider is a very large and aggressive market. Uh, sorry, and and sizable market there that's at- attractive because it appeals to everything we know into uh, about the whole pilot ecosystem. Remember, we're in you know every part of the pilot ecosystem from training people to become airline pilots training them initially on the top of aircraft, doing their recurrent training throughout their careers, and finally providing, as, as I mentioned, to park and, and opportunities like Sea Airline a complete solution. So that gives us unique skills and insights to off, offer a much broader uh, you know set of services that purely provide training. That's what you see us doing here. And it's a natural, it's the same customers, and, and they have, there's very real pain points in their operations that they will, you know, in in many, many cases, you know, be very, very happy to look to someone like ourselves who can basically take that over for them and provide them synergies and actually through our digital offerings, you know, to be able to uh, give them insights into their operation because of just the sheer scale that we can provide that they can't, you know, do by themselves. That's a thesis we're going into it. Very happy about the acquisition of Merlot. Great team that we have there, you know, headquarters in New Zealand. Great set of customers, and, and I felt very good about it. that. More to be said, but I think it's going to be, uh, to me, a, a very attractive market. Uh, for me, what it does in, in terms of dollars and cents, uh, it, you know, it increases our addressable market and civil from notionally about $4.6 billion to about 6.1 billion. And I'm talking pre-COVID, kind of normalized figures here, but that's that, what I would tell you.
4: That, that's great, it. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Elizabeth Grenfell with Bank of America. Please go ahead.
0: Hi, good afternoon, guys. Hi. Uh, yeah. Hi, hi. Uh, I'm calling on Ron's behalf today. If we see air travel back 2019 levels in 2023, how do you expect that recovery to play out for you?
3: Well, I think we're pretty handy. What you got to look for us, uh, it, yeah, two things. First of all, I mean, when I'm, I'm uh, talking about that, I'm talking about commercial aviation travel, uh, you know, not business aviation. Business aviation has already recovered quite nicely, and we continue to be, you know, it's already about right now, as we said, about 15% of, pre-pandemic levels uh, in the, based on business cycles in, in the United States and in Europe. Uh, in terms of commercial aviation, uh, <clears throat> the way it pans out for us is to just watch the airplanes that are flying, because our business is regulated, so as long as there's, you know, two pilots flying those airplanes at the front, they have to go back to training, literally you know, on, a, on an average basis uh, throughout the world every six months. So for us, it's look at the utilization of the aircraft themselves. So about, at the moment, utilization of the airplane itself is about 50%, uh, you know, from uh, <clears throat> based on maybe 80% before uh, before pandemic. So for us, as airlines add more flights and more utilization, our business in terms of utilization in our training center is very, very highly correlated to that. So the utilization of the active fleet of aircraft and how they're being used in the fleet. So expect it to to follow that trend. And the the additional color I would give you is that we expect uh, of that recovery to the narrow body sector to recover faster. Uh, That's I think pretty much the consensus and that's the consensus that we get based on talking to our customers, which of course, you know, because of our market position represents the majority of the world's airlines. So the fact that, you know, the uh, narrow body recovers faster is a good, is a good thing, you know, for us because 75% of our network uh, of you know, full flight simulators in our training centers are not narrow body aircraft. And when I come back to just an initial cover on business aircraft, about a third of our revenue and civil also comes from business aircraft, which which that's important because it's also a, a more profitable segment. So that's that factors into it itself. Great.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Fadi Shamoon with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
5: Okay. Thank you.
1: Um, couple of questions. First on the
5: acquisitions, uh, I guess you addressed some of the strategic um, kind of positives with Merlot, but uh, the other two acquisitions now that you've kind of had a chance to take a look under the hood, can you kind of share with us a little bit about um, the opportunities you see there, the integration process? How do you feel about these two acquisitions now that you've had a chance to kind of take a look at them a little bit more closely? Uh, the other quick question is to Sonia, maybe if you can help us, um, you know, frame the uh, restructuring benefit that you expect in 2022. I think you you mentioned up to a run rate of 65 to 70 ramping up. But is that kind of uh, by end of 2022, like how much of that restructuring benefit should we expect to be realized next year? Okay,
3: maybe I'll just kick it off, uh, Fatty. Look, I would tell uh, with the acquisition, of the other two acquisitions, which is the uh, FSC and True, look, no surprises, uh, except maybe to say, look, we're very happy with what we see. It's always great that, you know, obviously we know our business. So I think we, we knew them well. Uh, in, in in terms of, if you think about FSC, uh, they bought uh, essentially all their new simulators from us over the years. Uh, I sold them their first sim back in yeah, 2006, I believe it was. But so we know them well, and uh, very, very happy with the team coming aboard. No surprises on the integration, uh, and uh, so it's, it's, you know, I would say it's exactly on track, if not ahead of where we expect it to be. In terms of true, very similar, uh, very similar. Of course, as you know, they're very down uh, the street from from us here in Montreal. Great facilities, and uh, you know, and a great bunch of people. I think that good book of business, which which we knew. Uh, you know, I I like what I see. I think that it, it reinforces our relationship as well with Boeing. I think that's an important one because uh, Boeing was their supplier uh, <clears throat> over the triple seven X and the seven thirty seven Max from original equipment simulators. So that's very attractive uh, for us. We knew about that, but again, uh, too very happy about what we see. And in both cases, the uh, the integration, I would say, is right on track, if not ahead. And yeah, I guess
0: I'll, I'll jump in for, on your question for restructuring. So uh, we started the program in Q2, and it's it's progressing well. Now, a good part of the program is about asset and footprint uh, optimization. So these are long lead items, uh, like relocating simulators, uh, etc., moving people, and, and closing down uh, lease facilities. So so, and that's underway. We've got a a good uh, amount uh, under our belt, but it'll continue on uh, over the next couple of quarters, um, as well as kind of a lot of the process, uh, digitally driven and process improvements underway. So um, we're going to see those savings uh, basically come through next year in FY22. Um, at least $50 million of recurrent savings for the full year of uh, 20, uh, FY22 as we had uh, talk to, and now with the additional measures that we've identified as, as we uh, continue on this quest for optimization and streamlining, we've identified uh, additional measures uh, so uh, different types of locations and opportunities um, that will be starting this quarter and through uh, the, the new year, the new fiscal year. So those will take a little longer to ramp up and so probably that that incremental savings will uh, come through throughout towards the latter end of the year um and and ramp up to a, a run rate of 65 to 70 million dollars uh recurring annual savings.
1: Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Noah Popenak with Goldman Sachs. Please proceed.
6: Hi, good afternoon everybody. Good afternoon. Good afternoon hey mark just staying on the topic of um, you know you know the recovery in civil training and you know sort of the, i guess the lead lag for you and, and how you're tethered to that it, you know on the one hand it, it, it is clearly you know not visible exactly when the recovery starts and the pace of recovery but on the other hand um... i've been pretty surprised at um, you know just how many airlines are out there talking about um, especially domestic-oriented airlines, talking about, you know, flying this summer, you know, eighty, ninety percent of their 2019 capacity. Um, and you just mentioned being being more tethered to narrow-body than wide-body. Um, so I guess I'm a little surprised you're not seeing that already. Um, m- maybe you could just speak to that. And, and I guess specifically, you know, what is the lead time for training pilots? You know, tethered to specific capacity that is coming back can, can it be done in, in pretty short order is, is that why you're not seeing it yet
3: well I think that the uh, the level of activity that we're seeing is certainly not representing 90% flying right now and I think we, hopefully we will see that this summer and I fully expect that you know when what when as there's a lot of pent-up demand you know, all of us want to get back on airplanes all of us want to go they say sitting in montreal we minus 18 i want to go south <laughs> <laughs> so i, I think it, look our, for us it's going to be you know when a border is going to open you know when are these uh quarantine rules going to be uh lifted and again in montreal we have an eight o'clock curfew so that basically it's for us it's, it's just as i mentioned before it's, we're highly correlated to the level of airplanes fly, the level of flying activity. So yeah, a lot of airplanes flying, you've got a question how many flights per day, right? When that frequency starts, uh, starts increasing because there's more volume, you're gonna see obviously more pilots being needed, so you're gonna see more training activity, more utilization in our training centers. So you look at about 50% uh, utilization of aircraft right now, you see about 50% average utilization in our commercial aviation, uh, Uh, training uh, activity so I think that's what we're gonna see watch that metric we're highly correlated to
6: it that makes a ton of sense and 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 again I recognize that you know we're nowhere near 90% of 2019 on 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 much of anything right now but again if if there are a, a bunch of US domestic airlines or there's just a decent amount of airlines talking about flying a surprising a, a capacity level surprisingly close to 2019 this summer wouldn't you know how far in advance of doing that do they have to do the training are they are they able to do the training pre- pretty close to doing that I, I would have thought it would have been a few months in advance
3: Well, it depends if you're talking about pilots that are on staff that are maintaining your certifications then as long as they keep doing their, you know, every six months going back into a simulator, maintaining stuff like they have to do a certain number of landings every 90 days, those kind of things, then they're, they're easy to bring back on online. Uh, where you really have the issue where it takes months is if a pilot, you know, falls out of certification. That will typically fall, you know, if you really haven't You've gone back to training after a year, then you're out. Then you have to go back essentially to square one. That could take months and because what you have, any individual pilot, let's say flying an aerobody 737 or AC20, you know, you have to go back to school, go back to a type rating course, you're, you're maybe a month out. But, of course, the year, that's one month for one pilot. But then you have to have the available infrastructure in training, number of simulators, number of training slots, to be able to train any volume of of of, uh, of personnel back online, I think maybe the other thing that if you're talking about U.S. to say, uh, for example, you know, what we call the main carers, they have their own simulators. So that right. may be where you don't see it translating in our training activity, but we right. see that in other, in other ways in terms of the update activity that happens, and for us talking to them and actually doing stuff about supporting them with regards to overflow trading when they will need that delta training that those are the kind of discussions
6: that we have but I the, guess at, that the at, network. At, when i roll it all up um given what you saw in the quarter and then and then you discussing uh next quarter being pretty stable it doesn't sound like i should be counting on much uh much of a a, a, a Jump in your revenue that leads the global system-wide capacity, and instead, I should really just tether you to that. Is that the conclusion? Well, what
3: I said, I think, is when I look at the utilization in our train centers, I expect you know a very similar level uh, in in the the quarter that we're in, uh, based on what I've seen in the third quarter. So that's what we're seeing, and we have pretty good visibility on it because. You know, obviously, uh, where we sit in, in terms of date, uh, you know, we've got uh, a month and some behind us, month and a half behind us, and we have a pretty good view of bookings in our, in our uh, network or training center. So that's where I'm coming from.
6: I see. That's helpful.
3: Um, so, to me that, but, again, to me, it's like we're talking weeks now. We're talking yeah. change at all that's the fundamental thesis of uh, CE, even going into, you know, the end of the year.
6: Yeah, no, I, I don't think it. I, I I hear you there. I I've probably just had the lead time confused, um, but but that's that's all all helpful. Um, in the healthcare business, you know, it's a very significant at least percentage uh, change in the quarterly revenue, and we've seen the new product announcements. Um, can you help us out with what from this increase is long term sustainable versus you know, only short-term related to COVID versus was literally just this quarter.
3: Well, the big, I mean, I would tell you, it's not just this quarter, but it is is—it is related to the Canadian ventilator contract, which, you know, we said, you know, from the outset, this is us stepping up uh, as part of the wartime effort to, to help, you know, our, our fellow fellow citizens with, you know, be, being developing from scratch uh, a ventilator of which we got the contract with the Canadian government, so what you're seeing there, is the contribution in earnest of the ventilators. And that's about, I would tell you about half of uh, of the order. You know, we, the good news is that, you know, You know, the the fact is that with the the uh, pandemic where it's at and uh, with less severity overall, in, in terms of the the use of uh, ventilators, there's not gonna be as many needed. So I think we had a contract for about 10, to, well, not for about 10,000, we'll deliver about Eighty-two hundred, so about a little over double. Uh, well, we delivered like forty-two hundred and fifty-seven. That this uh, past quarter will deliver a total of eighty-two hundred. So it's just a little bit more, less than four thousand. So the contribution over the next, you know, quarter, couple quarters, will probably be similar to in terms of the, from that contract to what you've seen. And and you're talking about, you know teams kind of margins on that contribution. Uh, beyond that, so, so I think, going back to your question, so the big increase is due to that one contract, and that contract okay. is coming to an end. Now, having said that, what I would tell you is that that just demonstrates the capability that we have at sea. when you think about it, that we're able to, literally from scratch, design uh, and engineer and deliver a, a, a you know, highly technical, you know, uh, a device like a ventilator tells you what we're able to do. Uh, we transitioned. We announced last week we transitioned our uh, our workforce here in Montreal into and, and fabrication of fifty thousand uh, air purifier units that are revolutionary in what they do. So that'll help us not only to basically, uh, if you like, maintain a hundred jobs in a production line, which is good because it absorbs, absorbs overhead and uh, it has a uh, I wouldn't say a material a contribution to uh, to earnings, but certainly not diluted by any measure. And b- more importantly, uh, you know, I think there's more legs potentially to that. You know, early days, but uh, and, and from a larger standpoint, uh, I am I am very bullish on future growth in healthcare. Very growth. If there's anything that this pandemic has demonstrated is not not only what we can do in healthcare, but the receptivity of customers to the kind of products and services in healthcare that C's brand can bring to bear. And early days, and under the leadership of you Heidi Wood, leveraging that <clears throat> that uh, division in earnest and adding our digital capabilities. I'm I've never been more bullish uh, that the uh, healthcare will become a meaningful part of CE. And in in not in ten years. <laughs> yeah.
6: Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Continuing on, our next question comes from the line of Kanark Gupta with Scotiabank. Bank. Please go ahead.
7: Uh, thanks and uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um so, perhaps the first one on defense um the the order activity uh, seems to be good um like it's kind of holding up uh, despite obviously all the pandemic uh, related issues you spoke about uh but what's uh, wondering what's kind of putting uh pressure on revenue and margin compared to you know where this thing is in your backlog I like it's a ten twelve twelve percent kind of margin backlog. Uh, but we are, we are not seeing those margins yet, and, and revenue is kind of maybe capped because of those uh, pandemic issues. But uh, any additional color you can provide on what's what's causing defense uh, program execution here? Well,
3: look, I think that uh, first of all, I'll maybe say that my thesis hasn't changed at all. That defense is a growing business. I mean, we're we're in a transition year right now for a number of reasons. Uh, although we have had some good order activity, uh, the fact is that. And, and I'm very happy about, that. as I mentioned on the call uh, during my conference call uh, remarks, there the the kind of awards that we're winning to me are marquee contracts that really demonstrate C's you know credentials in training across the world. You just think about the KC-135 contract, very major contracts for the uh, U.S. Air Force, you know, and, and contracts that we have with Special Forces on you know synthetic environment contracts to demonstrate the expertise and the technology that we can bring to bear that is really going to be, you know, critical going forward. So I think short term what we're seeing here is there's some of it, and I think that's going to persist for a little while, is the dearth of order activity because, you know, like it or not, the military support areas like you know, procurement, engineering, are, are just like everything else, hit by your know, COVID-related absenteeism and disruption. So that is affecting near-term order activity. Uh, not that orders go away, but in fact that they get protracted in terms of when they're actually going to be awarded because the work required to be able to do that. Near-term, right now we are being affected by, uh, by COVID. Uh, I can I can give you uh, specific examples. You know, we have, for example, in our Tampa training facility, we have a major training facility where we do C-130H training. And the large, the largest part of training we do that for foreign militaries, and and that tends to be good business. Uh, unfortunately, because of border restrictions uh, and travel restrictions, the customers can't get to the training center. That's just one example. Again, near term issues, but so those that's the, the major color I would give you that's affecting uh, our results in in defense at the moment. Uh,
7: i mean that and that, that's what it, i'll cap that's where i'll i'll end it right now may unless you want to expand the question no absolutely no that, that 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 makes sense clearly i think uh, that's what i thought the travel restrictions but i was just curious as to if there's anything overly materially incremental that that kind of explains but no that's good um on the full flight simulators on the civil side um so you 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 talked about in, in the MDNA and disclosures uh, that the backlog is pretty strong uh, and, uh should support production for the next couple of years at least um just curious as to you know the 35 deliveries you are planning for this fiscal year uh is that sustainable with the current backlog for the next two years or do you need to win more orders on the ffs site uh to to produce 35 each year uh
3: well i don't think we, we've given a lot of guidance uh, to that uh you know you think you're going beyond for a level of guidance right now but i would say look it doesn't i will remain to what I said is that you know we'll deliver that backlog over the next couple of years uh if if we were to re- let's say we were good, we were going to get no orders well which is not going to happen we're already getting orders and we still and we have a lot of interest in our uh with customers as they ramp up uh taking on airplanes because deliveries are being restarted I think we will get orders, so the situation that you talked about you know really doesn't occur but the, I really those those contracts that we have, the backlog that we have, the the real driving factor here is the dates that we've committed to the airlines, and those are firm. And pretty much, every, well, not pretty much, every one of those contracts has been has been looked at in terms of. You, in some cases, the customers wanted uh, to basically defer the delivery because of the situation, deferment of the aircraft. Uh, and everyone now has a new date, which is firm, and that's what we're executing too, and that, and so a long answer, short, sure, uh, long answer,
7: but the, the delivery uh, of that backlog is pretty firm over the next couple of years. Yeah, okay, that, that's good. Uh, just kind of exp- expanding on that a little bit, uh, because you talked about Max earlier on the call, uh, with the True uh, True's acquisition, and clearly they were kind of aligned with Boeing on that uh, Max Sim orders. Uh, wondering if uh, your backlog for uh, Max Sims here, where uh, is that right now, and what are your plans for production on the Max side, please?
3: Well, I can tell you, and yeah, True fits in very, very well with that. Uh, at if I look at the situation on Max today. At CAE, we've delivered forty-one max simulators to date, and that includes five in our network. Uh, we have sold fifty-three. Uh, now, I, I would say we had sold fifty-seven total, but you know, we had uh, we we deferred two in our network, and we had we had two diff- deferrals from another airline. So, I would say net fifty-three sold to date. Uh, True have. 11 uh, simulators delivered to date, and they have four, 14 sold, and that's the entirety of all the uh, 737 MAX uh, simulators, and you know, we're continuing to support Boeing through a, a, a MAX overflow training agreement, and, and, that, and that's, well, that's exciting because it's our first training cooperation with Boeing.
7: I'm quite excited about that, and that's specifically on the MAX. That's great. That's a really good, uh, good color mark there. And last one for okay. me. Uh, for Sonia. You
3: know, the last thing I would tell you is uh, maybe just sure. a little bit more color. Based, based on the number of aircraft that are out there, I certainly expect, you know, northward of 50 to 60, 737 max simulators, you know, over the next five years minimum.
7: Okay. That, that's great. Thanks. And last one for Sonia uh free cash flow wise obviously q three was so good uh, in terms of cash flow and, and working capital generally uh tends to contribute a lot in in the third quarter uh, but just wondering Sonia if um, you know looking at the, the historical numbers usually uh, working capital seasonality wise uh, comes off in q four uh anything this time um you you think it's it's different. Uh, the last uh, few years in in terms of seasonality, and then obviously CapEx uh, kind of picks up as well right in Q4 this year. So any any color on the free cash flow and heading into Q4. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So uh, I agree with you a solid Q3 performance uh, with $224 million. And and really that's a reflection of, you know, improving operating performance uh, flowing through in the cash from off. So you see quarter over quarter uh, continued improvement there, uh, and obviously it's the operating performance and continued. Um, cost and cash preservation measures and so on that we put into place, uh, and and just absolutely continued uh, focus on on each of these, and it really kind of demonstrates the cash generative nature uh, of the business. So we add to that the, the non cash working capital performance, and to your question on seasonality, um, we are seeing uh, you know a similar pattern uh, investment in in um, in the first uh, first half. Uh, and a reversal in uh, a partial reversal in the second half. We do expect it to stay in an investment position for the year. Um, So it should follow uh, in the trend. So uh, Q3 being uh, one of the strongest uh, uh, performers in a non-cash working cap and where we saw that was really a nice step up on collections and our DSO and as you can imagine with the pandemic and and all that was going on there was uh, um, you know, uh, uh, I guess an increase in the day sales outstanding and with uh, all of the focus uh, uh, that's starting to uh, come back down uh, and also really good uh, view and visibility and management on inventory and, and supply chain. So, uh, you know, we continue to focus on uh, generating cash and minimizing uh, the working capital. So, uh, and and it'll follow pretty much uh, the seasonality that you've seen in the past. In terms of TAPEX, uh, we spent uh, almost Uh, about a little less than $60 million to date, and we do expect a ramp up uh, uh, in the fourth quarter in pace with uh, um, the plans that we have, some of the spend that we'll uh, do to support the restructuring program as we uh, move uh, some of the locations, but also uh, investing in the opportunities that we have. We still uh, still continue to see uh, good opportunities to deploy a creative CapEx, uh, and and frankly, especially in the business aviation uh, field where um, those uh, organic investments uh, uh, really kind of deliver uh, significant incremental returns. As you've seen in, in some of the organic the deployments we've done, uh, it, it drives 20 to 30% incremental return on capital within two to three years. So, so as we see those opportunities in lockstep with the demand, secure demand from the customers, then, uh, then uh, uh, we're, we're deploying uh, the capital accordingly.
7: Thanks. I uh, appreciate the time. Operator, we're we're
2: running a little thin on time here. I think we'll take two more uh, last questions before we open up to members of the media.
1: Absolutely, sir. Our next question comes from the line of Cameron Dorkson with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead.
7: Yeah, thanks. Uh, Good afternoon. Um, Just really kind of wanted to follow up on an an earlier question just with uh, uh, with regards to the healthcare segment. Uh, I mean, obviously, CAE is is known as a training and simulation company, and and you know I get that that you've, you've won this this ventilator contract and and that you have stepped up there, and it's it's you know it's a obviously a, a pretty nice win there. But you know, I'm just sort of wondering about this this air purifier contract, and that sounds more like a contract manufacturing type of deal. You know, I'm just wondering if there's like a shift in strategy here in healthcare where it's kind of no longer solely focused on training and simulation and now you're just kind of looking for for other opportunities uh, so maybe you can just describe what, what sort of the go forward strategy is in the healthcare segment
3: no you're correct cameron strategy hasn't changed we're saying we're very much focused on the the opportunities that we have and there's quite a market there and it's a growing market with regards to what we can do in simulation and training so if there is a change strategy well you know but there is none now uh, you know, we have been, as I said, this, both contracts are part of the the humanitarian effort that we've done to support, uh, again, our fellow global citizens on the fight against COVID-19. But it, it just demonstrates what we're able to do at CAE, and I, I think that, that speaks of itself, but that, that speaks for itself in all of our business. The systems engineering expertise, the manufacturing expertise, we have the global sourcing opportunities, software, and the integration of it all uh, with the subject matter expertise that we have in, in areas such as healthcare, that's where it all comes together, and I think that's applicable. But again, no, no change strategy in strategy in terms of healthcare.
7: Okay, that's great. Just wanted to clarify that. Uh, thanks very much.
1: Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Benoit Parier, with Desjardins Capital Markets. Please go ahead. La parole est à vous.
5: Yeah, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, just to come back on defense, obviously, you talk about the, uh, the pandemic that contributed to delays uh, in the execution. But as we go beyond this pandemic and this transition year, uh, especially with the new presidency in the U.S., how should we be thinking about CE's ability uh, to rebound in terms of uh, revenue growth and margin in fiscal uh, 22 and beyond?
3: Yeah. Well, look. I think you should. I think you should be. You uh, should feel good about it. As I said, I certainly do. I, I am, as I mentioned, I repeat as you said, we're managing through a transition year, and we're working through uh, challenges which are short term and they're they're real. <laughs> they're brought about by the pandemic, uh, and but we have you know uh, a growth strategy that's been reinvigorated uh, to, through the <clears throat> the uh, the input that we have not only from Heidi Wood, who ran it, uh, you know, in the interim that we're in the beginning for about six months, and Dan Gelson, who runs the business now with a wealth of experience uh, in, the, in the defense sector and the security sector. So I'm very, very bullish on what we can do here. And, you know, what we're focusing more is on the technological capability of CE and leveraging into specific, specific high-value areas like, you know, this, what we've been talking about, talking about this single synthetic environment. This is the ability, as you know, Benoit, very well, that we do very well, is, is to be able to, you know, mimic the world, create a digital twin of the world and, in which people can exercise. And that becomes very, very important, uh, and you heard me talk about this before, as the world, as the nature of training changes, because the defense priorities are changing. We've, we've gone from, if you look at the defense priorities of the United States, for example, strategic priorities, they've switched from what used to be, you know, we've talked for years about supporting the kind of threats that are, you know, those of, that we saw on what was called the war on terror. Now what, you know, people are focused on is training for, you know, fight a near peer opponent, which is an opponent, that you cannot be assured that you have control of the the, the air, control of the airwaves, control of the space assets. So you have to train. You can. You obviously, heaven forbid, never have to deal for real that that happens. But you know, what does the military do when they're where they're not in conflict? Well, they train for conflict. So you obviously can't train for you know fighting a near peer threat, uh, but. So what we do is provide an artificial world, a synthetic world, a digital simi- digital twin of the world in which you can exercise where all the domains come together, the air assets, the ground assets, the naval assets, the space assets, the cyber env- environment. Those are the things that are going to be, are, are, are actually becoming what is required to be able to support training. And we have a leading edge capability, and we are winning contracts in that area. Like, for example, the one we're winning with SOCOM Global Situational Awareness. So, and again, as we always do at CA, we're an innovation powerhouse. We continue to invest in differentiating technology, so you, you heard us talk about CA tracks, the E-Series uh, visual system, all of which support the thesis I just mentioned. Again, near-peer challenges uh, that affect our ability to raise margins now, near-term, uh, you, know, you know, basically uh, issues with regards to, be, to order activity because COVID-related, but, you know, it's a transition. It doesn't change anything about my, my bullish stance with regards to the future defense.
5: Okay. And on L care, Mark, uh, you've been quite successful with the uh, ventilator and air sanitizer opportunities. Um, I would like to hear more about uh, what what type of revenues are sustainable or what would you see as a permanent uh, uh, result a- and also what kind of opportunities uh, you have aside the, um, the air sanitizer and ventilator because it might open the door for more opportunities for seeing C- down the road for healthcare. Well, I think the ventilator contract
3: is coming to an end. I said over the next couple of quarters,
5: I think that'll be done. But
3: we'll, we'll- Will produce the rest of four thousand odd units that we have uh, remaining to go. Uh, the purified contracts, I think. Look, it's not it's not huge numbers because you know these these things are maybe five thousand dollars piece You know, if they look on an average, so it's not big numbers. It, but it is important. It is important. Uh, the technology beyond those, I think, is very exciting, and and think it has potential even beyond COVID nineteen in in terms of its capability to uh literally eliminate uh bacteria right up to black mold for example but but again so we'll see we'll see if we can build uh, you know know, get more of those beyond that i would say as i was saying to Cameron, our our strategy hasn't changed we see uh you know growth in healthcare significant growth in healthcare through uh knitting which is simulation-based training and services uh in the healthcare sector and that's going to be fueled by our digital capabilities, which, as you know, as we all live, digital is, is is not is is being incredibly accelerated by during this pandemic, and that will continue. And we have very very specific skills and capabilities there that I think will propel not only healthcare but the rest of our business. And maybe
0: I'll okay, just add, uh, uh, sorry, Ben I'll, I'll just add that this is a a manufacturing contract, so we're not actually selling it directly to the. Client um, and uh, and ultimately from a CAE perspective, although really important, it's it's not that significant from a, a financial perspective.
5: Yeah, okay, that that that's great, caller. And maybe a very quick one for you, Sonia. Um, when we look in terms of financial perspective, what would you like to see uh, before reconsidering or revisiting your dividend and buyback program? Uh,
0: yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's it's like we've said, the capital allocation priorities have, have not changed. Um, you know, the first priority remains to invest in accretive growth, and as we've seen, uh, you know, with the three acquisitions, actions in the quarter, and we continue to see opportunities on the organic growth capital front, um, and, you know, we balance that with uh, maintaining a solid financial position. So on the current returns, dividends, and, and, and buybacks, um, you know, it's always been a function of the level of excess free cash flow. Uh, and uh, the level of uh, accretive investments we see ahead of us. So uh, it remains an ongoing dialogue uh, with the CAE board.
5: Okay. Thank you very much for the time.
0: Okay.
1: Thank you.
5: Operator, operator, that's all the time we have
2: uh, for members of the investment community. We do want to uh, take the last uh, few few moments that we can to open up the lines to members of the media.
1: Most certainly. We'll now begin the question and answer session for the media. If you would like to register a question, press the 1 followed by the 4. Veuillez s'il vous plaît appuyer le 1 suivi du 4 sur votre téléphone à clavier pour enregistrer une question pour cette session. Sir, it appears that currently there are no questions from the media. Sector, I'll return the presentation to you once again.
2: Okay, thank you, operator. We'll we'll then uh, conclude this uh, call for CA's uh, third quarter fiscal year 2021. I want to thank all participants and remind them that a uh, transcript of today's call can be found on CA's website. Thank you and good afternoon.
1: Thank you, and that does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you all for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Merci, cela conclut la conférence d'aujourd'hui. Nous vous remercions pour votre participation et nous vous demandons s'il vous plaît de vouloir raccrocher vos lignes. Merci et bonne journée. Have a great day everyone.